friends, and welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Daniel Quinn, Courtney Staples, and Christopher Prunty. On today's episode, we are finishing up our journey into the afterlife as we are creating, uh, well, first we need to reconcile everything that we came up with that goddamn twist, and then we're going to create our own faction, our own main quest, side quest, and slash fiction. I would just like to thank Jacob once again, our patron who has uh, submitted this prompt for this week. And remember that if you want to submit your own prompt and have us build your world, you can always do so by emailing us over at worldbuildwithus@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can also shoot us a tweet over at Let's World Build, or you can come join our Discord and talk to us about world building or whatever the hell you want to talk about. I hear Loki's good. I've got to watch that at some point. Anyway, on to today's episode. So last time where we left off, we were talking about the afterlife, the afterworld where there was the realm of the dead gods, there was the realm of the mortals and all sorts of other interesting things. And of course, the twist that we rolled was there has to be a scientific explanation for it all. And our resident science fiction and philosophy expert, Daniel Quinn, is going to take us off with his... Uh, Daniel, it sounds to me like you did some research recently. <laughs> I don't know if we can call it research. I definitely am no philosophy expert. But <laughs> I did stumble upon something that I thought was really interesting. By all means, go right ahead. Let us um, know. So you're going to have to you have to bear with me here and, and ride this with me as I try to explain things. But... Um, I was thinking, because in order to give a scientific explanation, or at least some kind of reasonable non-fantasy explanation to what we came up with, we have to kind of understand how minds and bodies work, and what we've kind of created, or souls and bodies, like what we've we've set up. So I, I looked at the rules we established in the previous episode, and the first thing that obviously comes to mind is the question of like, okay... What sort of dualism is this? Because clearly it's dualism. There's, there's souls that can operate independent of bodies, and they have some kind of interlinking. Um, so I was looking at all the various variations of like dualism that were conceived of by philosophers, and the one that fits the bill perfectly, which is crazy, is called epiphenomenalism. Which is a type of like um, of, of type of property dualism. So let me let me just back up and, and just as I think in order to give like a scientific possibility for this, I have to explain what that is. So like in terms of the rules, the first rule we had is like um, it seems that before this afterlife was created, and, and correct me if I miss anything up, um, minds just died. We didn't know where they went. Like they seemed to be separated from their bodies. Minds didn't go anywhere, right? I'm gonna say minds instead of souls since now we're talking about sci-fi. So that was the first <laughs> rule we made. <laughs> now, the second rule, it seems to be, is after this god thing died, um, that's when this afterlife came into existence. And instead of minds just going away when bodies die, minds go to this other place. So that seems to create a separation of the two things. And the third rule seemed to be that, um, you know, even, even when, mind, when bodies die and minds go someplace else, they lose their memories. So and the length of time that they exist in this afterlife is dependent on it's a function of the experience they had when they were in their bodies. So those are the two rules that were the big ones, right? So the way this links up, I think, with epiphenomenalism is that like, so in epiphenomenalism, you've got minds and bodies, and they're these two different things with different properties. Um, so, um, so, so are we following that so far? We've we got the rules down that we created, right? Uh, we lost Chris, uh, but I think the rest of us are barely paying attention. Yes. <laughs> okay, great. So, so we, 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 so this tells you a few things about based on the rules we have. Minds and bodies are these two different kinds of substances. They're both matter in some way because this is a science fiction, right? But they're fundamentally different. Um, now, the other thing we, we've we've established is that it seems to be the physical brain is where experience gets recorded because. When it dies and the and the mind is in this other place, it doesn't carry over those memories, right? So that means that the brain must be recording the memories and not the mind. So the mind is kind of passive to that. And the third crazy thing um, is that the mind doesn't seem to have an effect on the body, which is the key concept in epiphenomenalism. Like it's one way. So the things that happen to the, the things can happen to the mind, but the mind can't affect the body. Which is kind of weird as a concept because it means like, so when I, let's say, when I want to raise my arm, right, 
what's happening is not that my mind is saying to my body, raise my arm. It's that something's happening in my brain that sends this neural impulse, impulse to my arm and my arm raises and then my body becomes aware of it. So, and what's weird is this is somewhat supported by neuroscience that there's a delay in when we become aware of things our bodies do. So what this means for the setting is that these minds are these disembodied things um, that's, that have recently been able to exist without their bodies, but they don't, they're not able to have an effect on the world. Like they need a body in order to have an effect on the world. In order, in order for the mind to grow, the body has to change. So what that's what I think that has to do with the twist is if we're talking about science fiction, you know, maybe these these gods, they're either, you know, beings that have always been minds, so they've never really been embodied. And the way that they can affect the world is by dealing with people who have bodies. So I don't know if maybe it's important to them to have um, found a way to preserve the minds of humans and keep putting them in bodies so they can grow their experience. Since apparently, if this is an epiphenomenal system, they can't change or, or grow unless something in the physical world has experience and alters them. So that's my thinking is that perhaps, you know, mm. these, these, these creatures, maybe they were always minds, they've never had bodies, or maybe at one point they were aliens and they learned how to separate their minds from their bodies. Um, and, and sustain their minds on some other material besides bodies. But I just thought it was really crazy that we created these rules that are in line with one of the, the explanations for the mind-body problem that's like one that has some support in neuroscience. So it's it's interesting that you bring up neuroscience because I'm also currently reading a book on neuroscience right now okay. that actually has a lot to do with what you're talking about mm -hmm. when it comes to if like, if we were actively conscious of everything that our body does at the same time, it would drive us mad, like yeah. actively drive us mad. So that's why we have so many automatic systems and so many automatic responses to things that are basically queued up based on predictive texts uh, that or predictive patterns that our brain tends to recognize. Mm -hmm. So it's like no one, one of the, a pithy quote that comes from the book is, no one ever wakes up and says, boy, my body sure is producing a lot of bile today <laughs> because it's something that's so automatic and so intrinsic to the human existence that you never notice it. Um, that aside, aside, Daniel, I'm actually like my brain is like burning thinking about <laughs> the stuff that I want to apply to this because uh, my God, I'm thinking I'm like, OK, so do these things that we perceive as gods are they feeding off of the experience of the mortal minds? Yeah, like, it seems that's like their, it. That's, yeah. that's their way of subsistence. It's not through faith mm -hmm. or it's not through worship. It's directly by – because that's why their minds get wiped, right? Mm -hmm. Is because the god is consuming those experiences that are lived, right? Mm -hmm. Well, and if, if we go with the epiphenomenalist concept, like as soon as – you lose your body, those, the memories you had in your experience are in your, they're in your brain, your physical brain. Right. So by losing mm -hmm. your body, you're losing your experiences. So I'm wondering in the system we created, since they found a way to, to keep the body separate from the mind without it dying, like the, the software still runs despite that there's no hardware. Like, like you're saying, they must have found a way to transfer those experiences to themselves. I guess. Mm. Interesting. Mm. So my, my, uh, reconciliation sort of fits in um, with some of the things that you were talking about. Um, and I too did some research and by research, I mean, reading Wikipedia for 20 minutes. <laughs> hey, so, that is research, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> um, apologies to any scientists or physicists listening. Um, there is about to be a bunch of bullshit. Mm. So, And we do technically have at least <laughs> one of those listening. Like I know that yeah, for a yeah, fact. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> All right, so in string theory, uh, the particles that make up the universe are actually these one-dimensional strings, and their properties and how they act depend on how they're vibrating at any given moment. And with quantum theory, there's this idea that observation affects reality. Mm -hmm. So my idea was that in the case of this setting, the real world and this afterlife exist in the same space, essentially, but at different vibrational frequencies. And oh. simply the unconscious act of observing solidifies what reality you're actually experiencing. 
So if you're in the real world, the strings are vibrating at the real real world frequency because that is how they act when observed from that perspective. Um, this way, the people who are able to do that soul switching that we had talked about last time, where they go from uh, actual physical world to the afterlife, they're somehow mm -hmm. able to manipulate their perception in such a way that the particles react as if they're being observed from the other plane. And that's also why souls end up in their respective subplanes within the afterlife, because where they end up is based on how the strings react to their observations. And those observations are subconsciously tied to what they believed or experienced in the real world, even though they don't actually remember any of it. And this also kind of covers that unknowable sea of chaos concept that we had mm -hmm. talked about last time, where the, there are these like manifestations of concepts that like mortals can't wrap their heads around like they're there's just like justice floating in space um and that's because they don't have the ability to parse what those string vibrations are even doing so it becomes this indescribable eldritch thing and, and that's that's science <laughs> so i would just like to point out that because we added this twist our world just became 75 percent smarter <laughs> um, and 100% more unknowable. But mm -hmm. uh, from what I'm parsing from what your suggestion here is, mm. Courtney, is that each of the realms that we have of the different gods mm -hmm. is essentially a different vibrational frequency that you yes. can essentially transfer your consciousness to, or at least the observation of your consciousness to, correct? Yeah, yeah that's right. So I have a question then. What mm. happens when you die and why does it shift your vibrational frequency? So, yeah, I'm wondering if that then ties in with what Daniel was talking about, where mm -hmm. the god sort of consumes their their memories, more or less. But there's, like, these shreds left behind, um, these shadows of, like, semi-memories that they don't actually remember. And maybe something about that um, just shifts how their the mind is perceiving everything. Because it's it's essentially, like, this blank slate, except it has a little bit of like eraser marks left on it from whatever was written before. Mm, mm. What, I, what I like about that one, um, like your your super string slash hyperspace kind of explanation, um, is it, it makes me think of higher dimensions, which mm -hmm. the super string, you know, uh, presumably exists in a space that has more dimensions than we we know about the four that we know of. Mm -hmm. So then it it also raises the question, like, could you know, these, these mind only beings, are they higher dimensional beings or other dimensional beings? And by that, I mean, physical dimensions. And so that's why we can't perceive them um, in the same way. So like, if, if an, it, it takes me back to, I think we talked about this at some point um, in the podcast, uh, the book Flatland, and how you would think about higher dimensional spaces or lower dimensional spaces, that if mm -hmm. you're like a two dimensional being, um, and some three-dimensional being passes through your space, you'd only see a circle growing and shrinking as it goes yeah. through the section passes. So it makes me wonder, you know, like, okay, are these gods um, gods to us because they exist in a space that's incomprehensible to us, which would be similar to what you're talking about with, like, the, the, this, the realm of forms that we mm -hmm. don't really understand because they're stripped of its physicality. I like that idea a lot, yeah. I'm so glad that you guys are in the podcast doing the heavy intellectual lifting here. Cause I like, I feel Side like my bullsh bullshitting. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, no, that's cool. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. And I'm sitting here with like my note where it's like isekai question mark. And it's like, <laughs> where like, oh I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, this is all just, this is all just a virtual world because we haven't done that at least three times in the past. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm glad that we can at least get some real science behind it. And so when I bring up that you're all cute anime moe girls in a, in a virtual world, then we can reconcile the, the twist there as well. Well, I mean, I'd also want to draw attention for, for Courtney to um, mm -hmm. the observation point, right? Yep. To, yeah. Because that's just, that's a, it's always been a really interesting concept to play with in sci-fi. Once we realize that, um, at least on the, on the quantum level, things don't have um, specificity and that the mere act of observing them messes up um, our understanding of really where they, their velocity and their position and all of that. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, like the, the cool fantastical leap is to say, oh, well, which is what Courtney's doing is like to say, well, what if this applies to the macro world, but in ways we don't get, 
you know, like or, or ways that are outside of our understanding of physics currently. And that's where you get like crazy concepts like Schrodinger's cat and all of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm suddenly reminded of the Futurama joke where it's like, hey, no fair, you changed the outcome by observing it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. And I'm, one of my favorite books of all time was Hyperspace by Michio Kaku, which is where I first read about like super strings and higher dimensional spaces. Mm-hmm. So if anyone's interested in that stuff, read that book because it's meant for people who are not scientists <laughs> like me, who do not know how to do math or science, but we can read this book and appreciate it. Yeah, mm. I, should, I should probably go for that one too. <laughs> I'll put it on the list. The, <laughs> the never ending list. So Chris, I would really love to hear what your <laughs> reconciliation with the twist is. How did you make this? Uh, we're, we're now involving string theory and we've got all this really wild and crazy shit. I've got my Moe girls. What are you adding to the reconciliation? Some really bad science. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> um, are we talking? No, I, I, continue. No, I'm t- so I was kind of doing something similar to uh, the, uh, I think you said vibration of uh, mm-hmm. attending to a different level of consciousness. I might have been reading the same thing and interpreted it differently. I was going to do it as frequency, but frequency and vibration sound like very, very similar. Um, and I was going to have it that... Uh, a problem of scaling that the universe that we know could just be tacked on or another layer of the afterlife for all we know, but it is vibrating on top of ours imperceptibly. Uh, And the kind of thing that exists that encapsulates it all is kind of like uh, the, I was reading something about like, how we perceive things at a different uh, vibration if we're sleeping. This is all junk science. And that dreams bring us closer to, quote unquote, this afterlife. Mm. I I was going to have it be that it is, it's just a realm that we can't perceive normally unless into different states. Kind of Mm -hmm. like Flatland as well. I mean, it makes me think again that the mind, if the dreams somehow um, are something we can access, but not directly, that somehow the mind must not exist in the same physical space as the rest of our bodies, you know, which is what you're saying. So perhaps this vibrating, quote unquote, at a higher frequency is a matter of a, a way of connecting with it that we don't really do in our conscious thought. And I debated doing the simulation kind of thing, <laughs> uh, similar to the Moe girls and everything, but it is more of instead of a simulation, uh, the world that is mortal that we know of it is just a god that died long ago and is actually an afterlife and no one knew it. Uh, mm. So it's like multi-layers of afterlives going on? Yes. Which will go into my faction. Mm. It's a collision of every kind of afterlife, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know about y'all, but I feel like we've pretty demonstrably... I mean, not only did we have a college level lecture based purely off of wiki searches, but I feel like we've kind of reconciled the twist of making everything kind of uh, have a scientific explanation, right? Yeah, I mean, at Mm -hmm. least a possible uh, way of talking about it in uh, theories of science and philosophy that exists. (laughs) Question mark. (laughs) Yeah, look, I'm sure that Everyone who is an expert in string theory will email us and tell us exactly how and right. why we're wrong with our fictional setting. So uh, I, I feel comfortable in moving on to making our faction. How about you guys? But what yeah. about your your reconciliation, oh, yeah. Rob? I, I literally said it's an isekai and there's moe girls. What, what more do you isekai? want? What does that mean? An isekai uh, is a subgenre which literally translates to in another world. So it's basically oh, like... Okay. You're uh, so it, it's it's a common anime archetype where it's like, oh, I'm from the human world, but I'm actually playing a video game, which is a simulation. But I'm trapped in an isekai. I'm trapped in another world okay. and stuff like Resurrected that. Resurrected as a slime on a spider. So what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. These are all. Hero. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Re-Zero. It's very popular. Yeah. 
Total uh, Overlord. I, oh, I was going to say Overlord as well. Yep. There, there's there's actually uh, there's actually an anime that is a a parody slash official parody where all of the uh, characters from Isekai's get together at a Japanese high school and hijinks ensue. That is how uh, broad and ubiquitous the Isekai genre is over an anime. But uh, we're not going to do that. We're just going to keep on moving on. And I mean, for those, for the true believers, you'll just have to imagine everything that I say with cute moe blobs instead of actual characters moving forward. So uh, again, I feel like it's time that we can safely move on to the faction. Uh, and because we're switching things up over here after our hundredth episode, rather than bringing our own factions today, we're actually going to be doing something similar. We do where instead of a direct faction, we're bringing in tenants to make our own faction together live with you. So who wants to bring their first tenant of the uh, faction here today? I'll go first in saying that mine is the faction has a hardcore belief that they are not in the afterlife. Interesting. I want hmm. the flat earth afterlife deniers. Okay. I mean, that's, Interesting. That's, that's consistent with this being not a fantastical, not a fantasy setting because I'm sure mm -hmm. such scientists, low capital rather than lowercase, like, mm. um, believe that everything can be explained that way so it wouldn't be the afterlife it'd be some other place to them yeah but it's kind of like there are gods and there's also people who can go back so there is overwhelming well a lot of evidence that says that this is the afterlife well but what is the afterlife if not you interpreting it to be after death because clearly from their perspective they're not dead they're still mm -hmm. alive yeah, for all we know, the last one was an afterlife. There might be yeah. an afterlife after this one. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I think that's certainly a good place to start us off. And I think that um, my, my tenant, again, I, I tend to go fairly broad and this is no different. I want this uh, faction to be steeped within mercantilism. So they are uh, maybe a trade guild or an artisan's guild or something like that. I want a trade and production and manufacturing of goods to be steeped within their culture. I mean, that fits with this, the idea that they're um, not buying into the whole, like, this is the afterlife to them. Mm -hmm. This is right. very materialist, you know? And, and based on what Chris is saying, I kind of want them now, now that we're kind of getting into like the metaphysical stuff, I want them to deal in something that is itself metaphysical. I'm going to add that little addendum now to it. Hmm. Ooh. I also kind of pictured them like if if they if there was any sort of division between them that it wasn't just that this was the afterlife, but that they might view themselves as each one each person is a god, even even if they don't have the power of a god. It was just like no, I'm just a very weak god. Hmm. So there's like a self-aggrandizement to it as well. Yeah, I was. Full disclosure: I believe that most of this was inspired by the fact that I've recently seen a lot of flat earther videos and a lot of uh, sovereign citizens so these are sovereign oh gods. god oh, oh yeah oh, oh, yeah no. that totally makes sense <laughs> what is the sovereign god so so it's like a sovereign citizen but like with divinity so if we mix our two tenets together chris that means that we have uh gods who believe that they are selling divinity to others but are they snake oil salesmen at that point or is it is it real i, I think I think there's a large majority of sovereign citizens and flat earthers who buy into their own bullshit pretty heavily. I still don't understand what a sovereign citizen is. So, uh, well, you see, okay. due to the Treaty of the Moors. No, stop it. Stop it. We're not <laughs> getting into this. No. <laughs> okay. So, Daniel, a sovereign citizen is someone who believes that uh, they are not part of the system. They're basically trying to live off of the grid and they believe that there is a legal framework that protects them from the oh. United States government. I so see. they're the type of people who don't think that they should have a social security card. They're the type of people who don't think that um, speeding and driving laws apply to them. So Unabombers, is that what they are? Yeah, that's that's actually fairly close. Crazy, like, apoc they're crazy apocalypse shutters or preppers. 
I mean, most of them are apocalypse preppers, but that's (laughs) not necessary to being part of that group, that subset. Correct. The Venn diagram isn't exactly a circle, but it's close. It's It's pretty close. Yeah, it's, 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 there's a large chunk of both amongst them. I see it as like, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I see it as like extreme libertarianism, like cranked up all the way to the max. That is, yeah, yes, I'm, that gonna, is I'm gonna I'm gonna second Daniel on the ugh there yeah. for sure. My favorite thing to say to a libertarian is, um, you know, like except for the libertarians out there who actually are plumbers, but like I don't know about you, but I don't want to have to build my own toilet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're 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 not gonna continue down this road because Courtney is gonna tell us what her tenet is, as we have these sovereign citizen god merchants. So. So, yeah, um, mine, I I think we can definitely make mine fit. So how I had planned it was that they view the separation of planes within the afterlife as tyrannical and want to end it. Um, but if they don't believe that they're in the afterlife, then maybe it's. It's uh, it, it, they can still perceive that yeah. as a tyrannical framework, yeah. you know, like. It's like it's yeah. a lie, you know, like right. you're being sold a lie and we're being lied mm-hmm. to. So know? they want to like prove that it doesn't exist by tearing down those barriers, maybe. Okay. I mean, I, I get these guys because if if the afterlife, quote unquote, is really <laughs> these other dimensional slash um, uh, alien beings who are basically stealing our experience in order to grow our own, that's a tyranny, right? Like... Mm. They they may not perceive us as even dying. Maybe they see it like when we would, would naturally die. They're preventing that, and they're like extending our experience against their will, basically. Daniel just outed himself as a libertarian. Um... <laughs> hey, hey, do not confuse atheists and libertarians. There's they may be a Venn diagram there, but I have proof yeah. that it is not a Venn circle. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Uh, so, so, so Daniel, bring us home with your tenant. We've got a really interesting framework here. What are we going with? What's your final tenant? Please fuck it up even more so than it already is. <laughs> I think mine actually aligns with what you guys are saying, because what I was thinking of is a faction of machines or if not machines, beings that were created by humans that are conscious. Um, and so they are and my, my tenant said that their existence is persists outside the afterlife uh, or that they've created their own version of it so um i think the key is that they're created beings and that they can operate outside the off afterlife after death okay bear with me here instead of this being a faction can it be a singular unit that is like the collected consciousnesses of all of these things where it's like, mm, I refuse yes. to give myself over to the gods. And so it's a single, like, it's like a brain in a jar, but it's every brain in a jar, you know? And there's like this squabbling horde of uh, like mer- mercantilist uh, sovereign citizens or something like that. That's, that's kind of what I'm getting at. So powerful is their unbelief. That it has a physical force in the afterlife. But it's also it's also something they've created because that's what Daniel's tenet is. It's like it's essentially a receptacle that they've added. So it's like I'm making this so when I die, I can prove to you that this is all bullshit. And what it uh, does, it basically mm-hmm. siphons or traps all of these uh, consciousnesses together. So they're doing uh, what the the quote unquote gods are doing as well. Like they're they built their own mechanism that can do what those gods do. That way, they're not under the gods' dominion when they die. And that's where the mer- that's where the merchant angle comes in is because now they're gathering followers and convincing them: if you buy into this, you can live forever in this brain in a jar type okay. thing. Okay. First of all, they're not f- doing what the what the gods are doing. They're doing what the other gods are doing the real gods and they're not Mm. followers they're building a pantheon yeah yeah that's what i mean (laughs) they're selling divinity you can Uh become a god just like us that's when your isekai comes into place like that's what their their reality is it is a virtual construct Unlike oh, man. the gods Shit. who are doing this by some other means. <laughs> There's so many cool. layers to this now. Oh, God. He reconciled Isekai. 
I mean, they've got their own, they've got their own afterlife is what they've done. Like they've done it through a different means, basically. But it's like a fake false afterlife. Which is, is, it? is it though? I'm really on their side now. I'm a convert. I'm joining them. Oh, yeah, I mean, just as real as theirs. Don't <laughs> forget know. that. Don't forget that last time we did establish that atheists and agnostics with their mm-hmm. unbelief or disbelief, they still had this like entity that formed in the afterlife that mm-hmm. was like a little god. So is that though the consequence of the gods forcing them to be disembodied? Hmm. Well, I don't see the gods forcing them being disembodied as much as they travel to another state of being or matter and what's left some of their experience or knowledge or belief gets siphoned off into the different entities like the unbelief one. I love how we can um, interpret this. Like, so like from the perspective of the androids, they're like, well, that's your interpretation, dude. <laughs> from my uh, perspective, it's the Jedi. who. That's, yeah. that's literally all I keep thinking about. It's I'm like, so get out of my head, Hayden Christensen. You son of a bitch. That's great. That means that there's these two perspectives now. There's really the religious divine perspective that this is a storm of ascension and that you're going to where you're supposed to go, right? But then there's this alternative perspective that says, um, if we closely examine this, the gods really aren't what they claim to be. And this place they've constructed, we created one just like it. So really, are they gods? And so you've got these two competing perspectives against each other. Man. Uh, also, again, I'm also thinking of this god, this like unbelief, like the creators of the isekai as Bo Burnham from Welcome to the Internet, like just that song, <laughs> yeah, like where he's like, yeah, come on in. We've made everything for you. You can experience everything all of the time. Like, why not? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you should go watch that special if you haven't already. Just make sure that you're in a good mental space to do so. It can be pretty heavy. Um, yeah, but it's also fantastic, and you should watch it. It is fantastic, yeah. But yeah, I would not consider it a comedy special. It's just a a special. It is a special that comedy occasionally happens within. Yes, <laughs> it, it makes me wonder, Courtney, if um, because your point about like the unbelievers, like were they the first who really kind of ended up in this faction? You know, like since mm-hmm. perhaps like. I don't know. It seems like I think we established really in the physical realm, like there's not awareness of this other thing. Or, not, or maybe we I think we know that this this is where they go or at least they because otherwise, how why would they increase their fame? Um, yeah. So if, that, if that's known, then the unbelievers, you know, having some evidence that something is happening um, would want to, you know, have, change the outcome. Hmm. And and I mean, if they're if they're if they're and if the Android bit or the created bit plays into this like and you and we're talking about minds being separated from bodies like we need somewhere else to run the software of our of our minds right like if if they're running after our bodies are discarded on whatever whatever substrate the gods are right we need an alternative to that substrate a different hardware and so constructing some technological solution by these unbelievers is a way of escaping their afterlife Woo! All right. This is definitely mm-hmm. one of the headier series that we've done for this podcast so far. Um, does does anyone have anything else that they want to move before we move on to like the main quest? No, I, I just feel like I need like a, a drawn, like layered map of what the <laughs> fuck is going on. Okay. Would <laughs> would you need a drawn and layered map or would like some kind of a cork board with string oh, oh, yeah. perhaps that, help a little bit? I better? think that would be perfect. Yes. I feel like I would want to make a little infogram of our rules and how they relate just so people can see what the result is. I think that'd be fun. Actually what I'd like to see from you, Daniel, is like the infomercial that's pitching this false <laughs> oh, yes. That's yeah. what I want. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay, I think that it's time that we can move on. And again, because this is post episode 100, we're again switching things up. And instead of doing plot hooks, we're actually going to be introducing uh, a main quest, which is what we would kind of consider to be a major storyline that we want to see resolved within this world. A side quest, which is the same thing, but with more dice rolling. 
And then there is a genre switch where we basically do the plot hooks from the previous episodes. And it's just a whole clusterfuck of dice rolling and figuring out how that stuff works. So who wants to start us off with what they would consider to be the main quest for this setting? I think it would be nice to zoom in as opposed to zoom out because we've been zoomed out so so for mm-hmm. so long in Agreed. the setting. And also thinking about like our own game last night when we were talking about zooming in versus zooming out and having personal stories. I think it would be neat if the main quest revolves around an individual and their individual need or desire. Um, again, I'm being drawn back to mm-hmm. Orpheus and Eurydice because that's like my favorite Greek tragedy. So I'm wondering maybe um, like what dreams may come, a pursuit of someone in the afterlife or trying to mm-hmm. get something mm-hmm. back that's been lost. Um, if I'd like to throw in my own favorite Greek tragedy, if we get out in Medea in there as well. It's a lot of blood. Yeah, but I think that <laughs> strangely, I feel like the two of them can work really well within the setting as like yeah. a singular plot, you know? So much passion, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we have a very personal quest. In, is, is this someone who's seeking to enter and find his lost love within the afterlife? Or is this, because that's like a, a stock standard idea mm-hmm. and it's also a great idea. Um, but what does this character look like? I'm assuming that it is like a scientist of some kind or the equivalent of a scientist. I mean, to your first question, I think, sure. Cause that would be cool for us to fuck it up. Like <laughs> to start with this kind of trope mm-hmm. and work from there. I don't know what they might look like. I defer to my colleagues here. Mm. So I think that on a broadly speaking term, let's try and focus in on, uh, Eurydice and Orpheus and have that be the main plot hook or the main through line that we follow here. And with that, the general concept is two people who are like massively in love with one another and Orpheus a little bit more in love with himself and with his music than perhaps Eurydice, but then Eurydice dies and he has to go find her within the afterlife. So let's go ahead and keep that idea. And we have, I think crossing over and trying to find your lost love into uh, the afterlife should be the main plot that we're kind of focusing on here. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Do we want to throw in any twists or anything setting specific that would be interesting? Um, I'd ask what are the parallels, you know, the other, the other factors in the Orpheus story that we could incorporate. So like, his antagonist is Hades who doesn't, you know, who uh, sets certain conditions about his coming in and out and taking her. There's someone who helps, helps him, uh, Persephone. So who is like his, who's his guardian angel and who's mm-hmm. his antagonist, you know? Oh, uh, I, this, this might get a little bit uh, bitter, but uh, instead of going for their lost lover as a person what if they're traveling into that state of unexistence looking for love itself Uh, i actually had a similar idea where maybe they're trying to find themselves again where it's instead of like the general concept because again your mind gets wiped in the afterlife right Mm-hmm. So maybe they're there. It, it's it's a, a search for themselves and it's a search for who they used to be. What's and maybe that? what we can do is kind of marry Chris's idea with that. And they believe that swimming among the astral sea is where they'll be able to find that thing, because we can then take the idea of the total obliteration of the self that we talked about last episode, mm-hmm. marry it with all this stuff together. And so we have the first person who is trying to find their lost self amongst the massive frequency of concepts, basically. I love that. I mean, your concept of self should be out there. So that's a good point. Yeah. What's, oh, what's that yeah. movie um, where, is it Memento? The one where he is the, he has no memories. He keeps writing himself. Yeah, um, that's Memento. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. It makes me think of that. Like, cause here he's, he's kind of trying to find himself in a sense, you know, and it's out there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now I have to ask how we're adding in Medea. For those people who may not have read Medea, why don't you give us a summary? Because I feel like Orpheus oh, and Eurydice is really spoilers, easy. Spoilers mm. for a several thousand year old play at this point. Exactly. <laughs> Medea is the story right? of 
Medea uh, and Jason. Uh, Jason has, uh, so Medea basically gives up everything that she is to go and live and marry Jason uh, in Athens, only for Jason to turn around and marry someone else. And so uh, the slow degradation of Medea and her passion and her anger eventually erupts into her killing the children she had with Jason in a fit of rage and vengeance. And then she flies away in a chariot uh, because her goddess Hecate uh, basically saves her. And also Jason's kind of a fuckboy. Uh, but that is the very, very loosest gist of Medea. It's actually way more tragic and way more interesting than I'm letting it on. But that's the those, those are the plot points for Medea. I guess the question is: Is Medea um, the lost self, or is um, and is Jason the protagonist, or like how are we situating them? You know, if it's his lost self, then it also has more in common with narcissist. Narcissist, yeah, for sure. Actually, Daniel, I like that idea a lot because maybe the lost self is the one that rejects the person searching for them. So it's like, yeah, that that's actually existential and, and really interesting to me in a way mm -hmm. that I find really satisfying. So you could cast the story too, if, like as you're reading it, you, or if it's a story, you could cast it from the perspective of like, this person is searching for their lover, but you don't realize that the lover is actually the self until you're good way through it like you realize mm -hmm. he's not searching for this lost love he's mm -hmm. searching for his own sanity his own sense of self right and then once they get to the lover it's revealed that it's the self yeah and then that self rejects them oh, and man. also forcibly cuts parts of them away so it's uh -huh. that's where you get the Medea aspect of it as well mm -hmm. oh i love that that's that's very heady and frankly i think that we can probably turn that into like an RPG setting, like you'd have to be kind of careful about how you plot it and everything like that, because you don't want to make it so this person is the main character. But I think that there is some level of like adventure story that you can kind of get where it's like, we are all voyagers on the astral sea. This is an exploratory mission for us, but it's funded by this person who's seeking their lost self, you know? Oh, yeah. And he could be like an Ahab sort of character. That might be oh, interesting. Oh, yeah. That might be interesting, too. Mm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But but instead of revenge, it's love, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. well, I mean, depending on your opinion of yourself. Oh, true. True. Mm -hmm. He like, hates himself, and he's out there to destroy his own identity. Yeah, and then there's iterations of it where you can have the same story told out, yeah. whether it be through love or hate or like a panoply of different uh, emotions that you're trying to, you know, explore mm -hmm. i mean chris that one makes me really excited too because it's like you know they they're these people are brought along with him maybe for an ulterior he doesn't tell them what the purpose is but he's out there to destroy himself. oh yeah yeah mm. and then i feel like at the end it's of dark. that story it's like all of his companions are dead and it's just this last remaining person and they're yeah. just confronted by themselves and the rejection of themselves destroys them utterly into the oblivion that Daniel was so keen on last episode. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I love it. Okay, cool. Done and dusted. That's fucking dope. Uh, now let's do that again. But so same setting, same genre, but we're going to have a different theme this time. And the theme that we're going to be rolling with quite literally is hope. So that's a good one. And the main anchor for the thing that we're going to be focusing on with the theme of hope within this side quest is going to be someone really important to the setting that no one knows about. So the theme is hope. The person that we're focusing on for this side quest is someone really important to the setting that no one knows about. So ideas and thoughts surrounding that. I'm thinking of, so last time we had talked about how the, the reincarnation process works as um, the more you're remembered, the longer you survive in the afterlife, mm -hmm. essentially. And um, what if it's, somebody who somehow manages to never be remembered so they are just constantly cycling through lives um 
and maybe the hope aspect there is that it could, I guess it could go either way, that there's a way to either break that cycle or there's a way to make that just be the case for everybody so that there is no being stuck in the afterlife. Mm. Everybody gets reincarnated all the time. I love that concept. Mm. And I'm also thinking that this type of person uh, is also like an in-between, it, it, not quite a mortal, not quite a god, like some mm. kind of being that exists outside of that realm, which is why they're always forgotten. And mm -hmm. they might play some kind of greater part within the architecture of the system that we've established. Maybe it's like a demigod, um, but instead of like a, an actual physical relation leading to their birth, it was more of like a, a melding of minds. Mm -hmm. um, Who are they to... So we talked about how minds can move, how minds can be swapped around by mm -hmm. um, swapping bodies with others. Or so you can... Um, let me see if I can rephrase that. We talked about how you can move a mind into another body to kind of subvert the whole afterlife process. What if this person that you're creating is a person who has doubled minds? Like there's more than one in there. Okay. I have a cool name for them. I want to call the, this being the glimpse. And I want it to mm. be that it is essentially the Charon of this world. So everyone gets oh, a it. glimpse of this thing mm -hmm. as they are ushered into a different frequency and because, but they're never remembered because that's the last thing they see before they die essentially, mm -hmm. which is why they're never remembered in the first place because they're the fairy, they're the ferrymen. Are they always wandering the, the um, place of forms? But, well, they're in between, right? Yeah. Because they're the, they're ushering them onto the next life. Is that we made that we made that space the space in between is kind of like the dead god's realm like the the place of forms right? Mm. Like it mm -hmm. was the place between the different types of afterlife. Maybe this is the creature and the the being that can. It's the only one that we know of that can exist, mm -hmm. and because it's formless, because it's in this roiling sea of chaos, it's able to exist everywhere all at once. Oh, I like that. And it's also remarkably lonely because, well, or would it be lonely? Because it, it, it doesn't really have a companion because it's the usher, it's ushering the that one onto the next life, right? Well, or would it, it be like, wow, I have all of these experiences and all of these friends who I get to usher onto the next life? I hmm. mean, to Courtney's explanation of it, it seems like it wouldn't be lonely because it even though it, from the perspective of those in the afterlife, it's always wandering the space in between, it's constantly being reincarnated. So it's constantly mm. actually having experience, right? So it's it, the reason why it seems like it's everywhere is because it's constantly not there, you know? That's actually a really, really mm -hmm. great point and not something I, rec uh, I recognized right away. But this constant, actually, th there is something, I mean, we can kind of go into the theme of hope, right? where there is hope in this existence of like, it always knows this person at the last moment. And mm -hmm. so there's always this like intense bond that it's going to share with these mortals as it ushers it off. So how do we make that into a story? Maybe there's a, some sort of quest to interact with it without being ferried over. Mm. What would they gain from it um, in general? I'd like to think that if we're going into Orpheus Eurydice type stuff again, because I don't know, because you, you brought it up, you primed my brain to think uh -huh. this way. I'm thinking that someone has a near death experience and manifests the glimpse uh, temporarily. Right. And so the rest of that person's life is dedicated to finding the glimpse again, because to mm -hmm. them, it was such a real and genuine connection they're trying to find that again and the quest is to find this thing that is it, it's like you're trying to hold you're trying to hold fog right it's just you can't happen but there's always this hope of doing it this hope of finding them again and then the story of course at the very end is they are able to see the glimpse again because it's what happens right i mean mm -hmm. if you want to extend that um Suppose that suppose we go back to the basic 
basics of, of Orpheus and Eurydice, which is to be reunited with the beloved, right? Like, mm-hmm. if you had contact with the glimpse, which it seems to be something constantly reincarnated into the world, right? Which means it's constantly taking other forms. It's possible that you'd be able to find your beloved because mm. at some point mm-hmm. they'd be redeposited into the world, but you don't know where and in what body. So by finding the glimpse, you'd have a chance at figuring out where they've gone. So mm. we can make this incredibly dark because what ends up happening is that this person in their attempt to find the glimpse again ends up becoming a ritualistic cultist serial killer who's trying to find their lost love again by forcing these death experiences onto others and in that moment trying to snatch glimpses of the girls. Oh, I got you. Because by by putting them in near the experience, that's where he can try and contact that thing. Exactly. Oh my God, have you ever seen BOA? That is like literally the premise of BOA. What is it? (laughs) BOA, that series by Brit, um, what's her name, Marling? No, um, I've never first season's fantastic. Uh, second season's kind of garbage. But the first season, I mean, I don't want to spoil it, but that's basically the premise. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So and it mean, deals with multiple realms too. You know, I mean, realistically, what we can do there as well in a really simplified way is you have this serial killer within the world, you have this villain within the world, and all of a sudden these. Uh, really gruesome deaths start popping up and you as adventurers within the world try and figure out what the fuck is this person's problem, basically. Mm. Mm -hmm. And that's the real simple but a really cool twist within the setting. There was a movie that I saw a while ago that was called Martyrs, where it showed... God. Uh, you you know <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. you've told me about this one yeah, yeah martyrs yeah. is fucking brutal and that's coming from me who has a pretty strong stomach that movie is just Unre- it's oh the stronger yeah. the pain and suffering the closer you get to god yeah yeah that's okay i could that's see a, a supernatural point, actually, detective yeah. story um mm-hmm. coming out of that because if this is a serial color and it, i'm thinking like planescape style characters so they're mm-hmm. like very mm-hmm. weird and not really like they're everything about those metaphysical concepts but they're searching for the supernatural meta- killer by going back and oh and the way this could work is like there, there's their minds, right, who are aware of this problem. So in order to hunt this 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 being, they've got to put themselves into bodies on Earth and then find him by remembering who they were from the metaphysical world. Um, so it's like they don't they have to like figure out who they are first, figure out their bodies and their original mission, and then find the killer before it's all too late. You know? Can get congratulations, everyone. We have corrupted the theme of hope. Uh, I just realized that. <laughs> So, so my my way to bring that back in was that I viewed this the glimpse as like a sort of a being of like childlike wonderment and innocence in a way. I don't oh, see yeah. why you can't have those be the same things that we were saying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm also not. Yeah, I, I'm it, not seeing any problems here. Like, no, no, I think it totally fits. Yeah, 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 yeah. That works. Fucking done and dusted, folks. All right, there we go. Um, Finally, ooh, finally, we're going to just go full, absolute bonkers, batshit crazy. So the genre that we're suddenly shifting to is going to be dark fantasy. We're, okay, we just did that. That's fine. We're going to make it even <laughs> darker than it already oh, is. God. Um, uh, wait a minute. Where did the D12 that I just had go? Okay, there it is. God damn it. The theme that we're going to be dealing with in this dark fantasy version of this world is going to be mystery. And the first thing that we're focusing on within this is a moment of triumph. So the first thing that we have to reconcile is how is this setting different now that it is in a dark fantasy setting as opposed to a more sci-fi based setting? I mean, I'm thinking more like the overblown style of dark fantasy, like yes. grim dark, 40k heresy. I'm fine with stuff. that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, there is only war. I mean, if we want to go grim dark with it, then the gods are actively consuming the souls of their mm-hmm. followers. That's basically yeah. where my mind goes. Oh, you could have it that maybe on one of the planes of existence or afterlife, everyone was living such a hedonistic lifestyle that it inside the afterlife itself it 
brought forth a new god. Mm. One that is then consuming all of the other gods. It's the endless Mm -hmm. hunger. Sure, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And so the gods on the mortal realms are trying to essentially enact the apocalypse in order for them to gain more soul, soul stuff faster to fight off this other new god. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when your gods are actively trying to evoke the apocalypse, <laughs> you know you're in dark fantasy. Fucking great. We've now got a mystery. What's the mystery? And how is it a moment of triumph surrounding it? This is actually the cyclical cycle of the way that the universe gets recreated. We're we're approaching Ragnarok is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, now we have to come up with the mystery and the adventure within the mystery. So it's Ragnarok. That's fucking awesome. What's the mystery that we are now having to solve for the quest? Is it maybe the last piece of Ragnarok in order for it to finish properly is missing and they have to find it? We can do something kind of quick and easy like that. Um, you could uh, get some information. You could, we could focus it on the, the, the villain. So is this god actually a god? Who is actually the villain? Is there something that we don't know about them? And that realization changes things. Well, that the god that is a villain that they're trying to fight could just be the birth of a new creation god. The one that's going to recreate a universe. But they're like, no, no, no. We 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 actually like living. Those of us who aren't dead slash even the ones of us who are dead want to keep on with this existence. Mm, mm. Or it could be a false god who is in trying to make himself into one. So, like a sovereign god. So exactly. I mean, <laughs> realistically, what I'm also thinking here is that we could just be looking at the brain in a jar uh, that to, to like its full ascension into godhood. Like it is somehow, you know, in, in this world, rather than being a brain in a jar, it's like a receptacle of souls that has now reached critical mass and is just exploded across every frequency. And it's causing these tears in between the different universes. Yeah, I think so. I think that works. Mm-hmm. And what's the, well, what's the mystery then? Cause the mystery is the thing that's driving the story. Um, I mean, maybe they don't know that though. Like, so from their ah. perspective, it's this is a, some kind of divine problem, but it's really a material problem that can be solved. That they were only to figure out who's behind it. I mean, the mystery mm-hmm. could even be why now. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, maybe it's um. Oh shit! The apocalypse started too early. Where's Fenrir? Oh, we don't have a Fenrir. <laughs> okay, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to recreate Fenrir somehow. Uh. Just get a big dog. Okay. We, and it's like. <laughs> so panic. it's Good Omens. <laughs> I've never read Good Omens, actually. Oh. Yeah. But uh, if, if that's the case, then I think that's kind of a fun premise that we can roll with, where it's like your job as adventurers is to ensure that the things that are needed for Ragnarok to happen, happen. I like that. Like you're selected by a god to, to do this, mm-hmm. more or less. Yeah. And because it's dark fantasy, all of the gods are fucking evil and metal and stuff like yeah. that. So, yeah. you know, yeah. All right. I feel like that's definitely a premise done. And that's another episode done as well. Uh, thanks again to our patron Jacob for submitting this prompt. Uh, it's been a real journey, actually, I have to say, uh, to the afterlife and beyond. And remember that if you want to send in your own prompt and have us build your world, you can always email us over at worldbuildwithus at gmail.com. You can always send us a tweet over at Let's World Build or follow us if you want to see what kind of RPG and world building nonsense we reblog, uh, re, reblog, we retweet on the regular. Or if you want to come tell us about string theory in person or as close to in person as you can get on the internet. You can join our Discord, and if you want to go ahead and send us a tip and put put a little bit of money in the tip hat, you can always do so by going over to our Patreon and giving us money by being ever so kind and generous. Remember that we love you very much, and we're going to get through this together. Until next time.